Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. of the Night Report Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite. Uh, guys, the day is here. Rutgers has landed a transfer quarterback in the portal. Ethan Kaliak Menes, who was on a visit uh, about two weeks ago to Rutgers campus, previously played under Kirk Soraka, had his best season of his college career under Kirk, has committed to Rutgers, as well as his younger brother, Dino Kaliak Menes. This one, you know, we kind of had the writing on the wall. You don't take a, a visit like this, and typically when you have portal recruiting, there's some guys who take multiple visits, but typically those are lined up one in a row, one in a row, one, or several in a row. Uh, Ethan's only visit was scheduled to Rutgers. He took it. We heard good things. Uh, we heard some rumblings that maybe they were holding off until after the bowl game to kind of take this commitment. Not to take it, uh, but to have this announced. And the day is here. So, Rich, just talk about Ethan and his game and how big of a commitment this is for Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, they they have a quarterback. Finally, this is nice. This is good. This is progress. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I mean, they they kind of uh, as soon as he entered the portal, I guess we kind of knew for the most part that they show some interest just because he was Kirk Chiraka's, uh quarterback recruit from high school. But uh, <clears throat> things develop rather quickly, I guess. Or I shouldn't say quickly. It was what what a two week span before we really heard anything about Rutgers getting uh, involved. Um, but no, they, they got him on campus. He only visited Rutgers and th- that was pretty much it. Uh, package deal with his brother. His brother was a pretty good high school recruit. Um, although I, I'm not sure I could really count on him to do much at the next level or this level, I should say. Um, but no, I think this is definitely an upgrade for Rutgers. Um, uh, what do you call it? But, and then if you, if you think about it, like Gavin really wasn't Kirk's quarterback recruit either. It was more of a Sean Gleason recruit. So now Kirk gets his guy in there, someone he trusts, someone he knows. And he, and he put up some pretty good numbers as a freshman with Kirk uh, a couple years ago. And he, and he looked pretty good. And he was thrown into like a kind of a hostile environment when Tanner Morgan got out. And I'm pretty sure his first game was uh, against Penn State or first start or whatever, right? It, it was against Penn State for their whiteout. Because if you remember, in 2021, there was a huge Minnesota-Penn State game in November. Mm-hmm. I think both teams were undefeated. It was played at Minnesota. Minnesota ended up winning that game. And so the following year, Penn State wanted their revenge. So they scheduled Minnesota for their whiteout. And yeah. Minnesota was not nearly as good as they were in 21 as they were in 22. And uh, mm-hmm. it showed, when, especially when you play a freshman quarterback it's in not. that environment. Yeah, it's for your first start. That is basically just being thrown into the deep end that's filled with lines and snakes. There's no chance he was going to succeed in that situation. Yeah. And, and now you get some competition for Gavin. I know everyone was talking about AJ Sarace and he's, he's the next coming of next quarterback for Rutgers. But uh, you get the red shirt him. So that's nice. Yep. And now you get some competition for Gavin, and it's going to either bring out the best in him, or he's just going to be the backup. That's it. Simple as that. Um, I think his Calagmanis' stats are actually pretty decent, all things considered. Um, if you watch his tape, his game tapes, like they're they're pretty good. He's pretty accurate when it comes to five yards, ten yards out, intermediate routes, all that. Um, he had a lot of drops last year, so I think that's going to definitely help him this season because I don't think Rutgers is going to have that many drops, and if they do, they're they're probably not in the field. Um, yep. For much longer, at least. And you got a guy like Dimir Miller coming in, 
maybe potentially another transfer guy if they if they can find the right fit. Um, you have Christian Dremel coming back, who's proven to be a pretty uh, solid slot receiver. Ian Strong's coming back. Corey Duff's coming in. You, you got some weapons for this guy. So now it's it's going to be about just protecting him and giving him enough time to throw the ball. Yeah, I, I think you hit on a lot of good points there. I kind of want to just break them down one by one. Gavin was not Kirk's <laughs> recruit. He was kind of just here when when Kirk arrived, and Kirk was tasked with making an offense around Gavin's skill set. Um, and you saw the play calling was heavily affected by what Gavin could and couldn't do. That's why we saw several games where we closed out with 15-plus straight running plays to try and salt away games. Most programs don't do stuff like that. Um, you'd ideally like to be able to mix it up. Like we, The most we mixed things up, seemingly, were like the, the Rutgers Ruskies, if, if you yeah. want to call it that, where you know it looks like a tush-push and then it ends up being some kind of end-around or you know whatever. Um, so Kirk had an entire year with Gavin um, and tried to you know, create some kind of offense around him. And for the most part, nothing worked in the passing game this year. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about how Gavin's issues with regarding to, with regard to accuracy is a mechanics issue. Um, and my counter to that is if it's a mechanics issue, why hasn't it been fixed in three years under, you know, for power five level tutelage? You know, it's not like he hasn't had guys coaching him. He's got a full-time QB trainer in the offseason. Yeah. He's 20 years old, and his the highest completion percentage in the season he had was this past year, just 47.8%. And I know people will you know talk about you know maybe Rutgers receivers didn't have separation, they dropped a lot of balls, but you know the counter to that is he still had the worst adjusted completion percentage of any quarterback, which takes into account drops, takes into account tip passes, takes into account throwaways. So regardless of how you dice up, his accuracy issues, it's arguably the worst accurate quarterback in the power five. So taking that into account, Gavin is, or Ethan is also not the most accurate guy. This past season, he only completed 52.7% of his passage, which is also unacceptable, but he had the second highest drop rate in college football at 14%. Uh, His adjusted completion percentage was actually 66.2%. Gavin's was 57.5%. So it's, it's significantly higher there. And, you know, he didn't have the kind of protection and weapons that, that uh, Gavin did this year. You know, we had arguably the biggest jump in offensive line play in the Big Ten this past year. And that was just going from the worst to average, which... With the same line, mind you. With the same line. So you just see how much coaching has improved. If you take a look at, like, you know, Demir Shaw clearly had something unlocked as the running backs coach because he got such a huge year out of Manungai. You know, even despite not huge production from the receivers, I think Kevin Brock or Coach Brock made a huge uh, impact on the guys because you saw Christian Dremel burst out and have, you know, a standout season. You saw Ian Strong making contributions as a true freshman. Jaquay Jackson, he was banged up a lot this year. It's something that, you know, wasn't really talked about a lot, but he was making these incredible catches, you know, early in the season that you weren't really seeing later in the season. He got banged up a couple times. so I do want to just put a caveat out there that I don't think either of us are saying Ethan is going to be a world beater. He's going to miss some throws, but I think what he's shown is he's going to be a lot better in terms of the passing game at getting what's given, getting what's taken, getting what's given to him. He's not going to you know overthrow wide open slants by five feet 
um, like Gavin has been. And I don't think they're going to hand him the job either. This is going to be a competition. And Mm -hmm. honestly, if Gavin makes a huge jump this offseason and he's suddenly, you know, a much more accurate passer, neither of us are like saying like, you know, we want to throw him off, you know, cast him off off the boat. Mm -hmm. This is just like we need competition. We need a plan B if plan A doesn't work. We didn't have a plan B this year because the staff stubbornly did not take a transfer portal quarterback despite the need for it. They stubbornly did not have Evan Simon play at all, despite Gavin struggling mightily, especially late in games. Like, yeah, you know, we could have thrown Gavin. I think the, the thought process behind Gavin was we need to give him a thorough evaluation over the course of a full season. So there is no doubt by the end of the year, he's the guy or he's not the guy. And if you constantly shake things up, there's room for interpretation on whether or not he had a fair shake. He had the most fair shake of any Power 5 quarterback I can remember in recent history. I can't remember a guy who struggled this mightily in the passing game who had zero doubt he was going to start from week to week. The staff gave him every single chance and then some to prove, to show that he could be a guy consistently. Because there was moments this season where he looked great in the passing game. He was you know, making pass after pass early on in games a lot of time. But then by the second half, he'd fall apart. I don't know what it was. I don't think he put together a single game where it was just like from start to finish, he was sharp, he was crisp. And I I don't think that's on the coaching staff to like keep him throwing the ball. I think you just have to be that guy. You know, if you don't throw a pass for nine minutes of game time and then you're called on at third and seven to complete, you know, a slant over the middle, it shouldn't like rattle you that you haven't had a, a pass attempt. Like, I don't buy that narrative. But I do think, like I said, that if he shows that he's better than Ethan, he should start. And if Ethan shows he's better than Gavin, he should start. Yep. I don't want to have another instance of a young quarterback in AJ Serace or Johnny Shepard playing before they're ready. Because we've seen that time and time again as Rutgers fans. It doesn't work. Gavin played before he was ready. Um, Art Sikowski played before he was ready. Chase Dodd played before he was ready. Tom Savage played before he was ready. Gary Nova played before he's ready. I think, I think, and hope that that Greg is trying to break from that by bringing in an older guy in Ethan. Where I hope it's either Gavin or Ethan next year because yeah. it can't be AJ unless AJ is like next coming of yeah. Trevor Trevor Lawrence or something like that. I don't want to see him on the field. Let him develop. Let him learn from these older guys, and then by year two, year three, when he's actually physically mature, when he's you know had a year or two in the offense. Then you can bring him in. But I really don't want to see AJ this year unless he's just so like head and shoulders above everyone else that you can't keep him off the field. I want to see one of the older guys play. Um, but we could dive further into the numbers. I just I, I really just kind of wanted to you know hit on some of the same stuff you were talking about. No, no, by all means. Um, yeah, no, I just it's going to be interesting to see how they perform in spring, basically. Um, it's going to be a battle. I wouldn't be shocked if they kind of wait and do what they did until like last year and you wait until kind of camp until you make an announcement for quarterback. So that way you kind of have both veterans, I guess, if you want to call them that at that point uh, on the roster. So it kind of gives them, because if you announce a starter in spring, one of them's probably leaving. If I had to guess. Um, but it, yeah, it's, possible, for sure. it, it's possible you do though. Like if the, if the kids, if one of them's that much better than the other, then it's, you might not have an option really. Yeah. If, if it's that clear, I, I also, <clears throat> I, I totally agree. I don't think they'll name a starter in the spring. I think mm-hmm. they'll wait until at least fall camp because yeah. like you said, you don't want one of them transferring and Gavin would make a fantastic 
uh, backup quarterback. Yeah, like, I, I, there's great. not many guys that you'd want more than that because he knows the system, he knows the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had you know some levels of success at Rutgers. I don't want to see him leave because that just puts us in you know you know one big hit from yeah. you know a, a, from a Eight defensive years. lineman on Ethan and we're starting a freshman. We don't want that. Yeah. Um, and I also think there's packages you can have for Gavin. I think the tush push stuff in the bowl game was a little um, Didn't work. unsettling because the success rate for that play was so low. Like, you know, we, we had the ball, I think, first and goal a couple times, and we, it took until third down to actually punch it in yep. when you have the, you know, the Big Ten's leading rusher lining up behind them. So I think that might be a bit of a play calling gaffe, too. Yeah. That they I should mix it up. Do that. Um, but Gavin had nine, <laughs> nine rushes. Uh, for nine yards in the bowl game, Jeez. and he didn't get sacked at all. So that was just nine yards of rushing on nine attempts. And they were all designed plays. They weren't any, any scrambles. And that's another thing I wanted to touch on. Everybody always talks about Gavin's rushing ability, but the guy doesn't scramble. Like, Ethan's got a significantly higher scramble rate, which, you know, when you're when you're scrambling, you can be the type of quarterback who just first read, not there, go. That's mm-hmm. not what Ethan is. That's not what Gavin is either. But when you see that everything's covered up and there's no spy on you and you have a lane on the left side of the field and you can run for 12 yards, Ethan's done that. Gavin does not. Gavin's had a few of those this year, but they're very few and far between. Like mm-hmm. Ethan's uh, uh, scramble rate last year was almost 10%. This year it was 7.6%. Gavin's was 5.6% this year and 7.8% last year. So they both had a drop in that. But if you just watch Ethan's game tape, you just see him take those free yards more often than Gavin did. Um, and we saw time and time again, I don't know how much autonomy Gavin had or felt he had in the offense this past year because anybody who was watching, if they were actually true RPOs for Gavin, he was just constantly making the wrong decision. I think he was yeah. told to, to just give the ball to, to Kyle every time because the few times that we did like I think we you asked him that you asked Greg that question at the press conference I don't remember after which game it was and then the following week they did run an RPO they had trouble with the mesh point and we we had a fumble and we lost we lost the fumble on that play so I do think he struggled with that in terms of you know the 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 mesh point um handoffs so I again this is just a lot of me kind of spitting out stuff because (laughs) coming off a holiday the brain's a little slower but yeah I think there's a lot of positives with both kids. Um, I think if you're bringing in a guy like Ethan, though, he's probably going to end up being the starter. But may the best man win. Yeah, I mean, you're not bringing in a transfer. We we say this at every position. You're not bringing in a transfer to be a backup. There's certain situations where you can argue that. Like the Zach Allen situation a couple years ago from TCU. Mm -hmm. Like You're specifically bringing that dude in to be a backup. Like Maybe even third string, I think he was at one point. But when the kid threw for 300 yards against Wisconsin, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was, um, it, it's really – Yeah, that was last, was year, last so, year. Yeah, now I'm yeah. in your monster stead. Uh, regardless, he's, he's a, start, a Big Ten starting quarterback. Like, he's not coming in to be the backup. He's probably coming in to be the starter. We mentioned it before. He's Kirk's guy. He knows Kirk's system already, so he's coming in with an advantage already. It, it just makes too much sense. Like, I'd be shocked if this kid is not the starting quarterback First, what is it, Howard or Akron? Who's the game on? I think it's Howard. I think it's Howard. Yeah. If he's not the starting quarterback versus Howard, I'd be a little bit shocked. Like, he's just, he's, he's better overall. Like, there's no really rhyme or reason to it. Uh, it is Howard, August 31st. 
Yep. So, I mean, I, and then his brother is coming in too. I know I mentioned it before. I don't see him doing much, but it, I mean, it's a weapon for a wide receiver room. He's, he's got potential at least. Like, so I don't know. I just think this kid's, if you watch Gavin's tape all year long, like he's had good first drives, maybe even yep. second drives, and then he falls off a cliff and then nothing yep. happens. And then they run the ball, like you said, 15 times in a row because no one could stop the run game. Like this, this whole play calling thing is going to change a bit. People are arguing like, yeah, this is like, this is what Kirk does, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, this is not what Kirk does. Like, look at his past offenses. He's had thousand yard receivers. He's had good receivers. Like, it's just, he's doing what he can with what he has. You don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball. So you you have to, you have to run it 30 times a game. Yeah. It's so easy to forget. Um, Kirk Soraka led the offense um, that has the NCAA's all time leading receiver in Corey Davis. Like that was a guy who was, I think he had 3,000 plus yard seasons at uh, Western Michigan. Yeah. Um, he was a guy who, when he was at uh, Minnesota the first go around, I think he coached Rashad Bateman, mm-hmm. um, Tyler Johnson. Like, this is, he's had prolific receivers. And that's what his, his preference is basically like attacking a weakness on a defense, whether that's through the air, through the pass. Like, he knows he's, he's got a good sense of when to call the right plays. And when you're playing, <clears throat> we have a team that can't really throw the ball effectively. It does. It's it's almost more impressive that he was able to craft an offense that was that led uh, Rutgers to seven wins this season yeah. than anything else. Like we basically had a defense, a special teams, and Kyle Manungai for most of the season as the three yeah. primary driving forces. You know, and that's creating big plays on special teams. That's creating, you know turnovers and short fields on defense and that's being able to reliably just you know hand Kyle Manungai the ball and he gets more than was presented to him whether that be through break make, forcing missed tackles or you know being patient and waiting for plays to develop mm-hmm. um that was our whole team this year and I think with an upgrade at quarterback and receiver next year because Daimir Miller if you're not if you haven't watched this tape and aren't you know drooling at the the uh you know, the prospect of having a guy like that on your team, then uh, you should be because he has game breaking speed and he instantly comes in and is going to be a wide receiver one by far. So the offense, I think by default will be better next year, but with an upgrade at quarterback, I think that is where you could see the, the opportunity to make a huge jump in terms of wins next year. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things like his 2019 offense, Tyler Johnson, 1300 yards, Rashawn Bateman, 1200 yards. Oh yeah. They also had a running back who ran for, 1,100 yards and Rodney Smith. Tanner Morgan threw for 3,200 yards. 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions for Tanner Morgan. This guy is not a stud by any means. And he just made him into a pretty damn good quarterback based on those numbers. Um, and it's, it's just, it's going to be a totally different offense next year, especially if you have someone that can hit an intermediate route. We saw time and time again, even last week or whatever it was two weeks ago in the pinstripe bowl, you saw... Gavin throw almost back-to-back picks in one in one possession and one drive. It was just the inaccuracy or the lack of accuracy uh, from Wimsett is a big issue. And now, if you get an accurate quarterback, it's going to make a hell of a difference. And that's why I, I just can't see a way Ethan doesn't win this job. Like it just makes too much sense for him to just basically walk in and walk away with the job pretty quickly. I would say. Yeah, I would be surprised if he doesn't win the job, but I do think there is the opportunity for <clears throat> Gavin to take a step. Um, will he take that step? It is yet to be seen. But, determined. 
he has that opportunity. The coaching staff is not giving up on Gavin. No. The coaching staff has looked at the situation, evaluated the play of this past year, and determined that they need to bring somebody else in for competition at the very least, which means that they're not fully satisfied with how Gavin played this year. And that's anybody who is fully satisfied with how Gavin played this year, I don't think is being honest with themselves. Because if you don't think that we left money on the table this year and we didn't weren't able to capitalize on it because of offensive play, you're lying to yourself also. Because there were games to be had this year. The Ohio State game, whether you want to believe it or not, was winnable. We had the lead in the in the second half, driving, we throw a pick six in the red zone. We settle for three field goals in the second quarter from within the five-yard line because we. it's easy to run the ball in the middle of the field, but when you're backed up, when everyone is within five yards of the line of scrimmage, it's a lot harder to run the ball, especially against the team that has more talent than you. Um, so when you become one-dimensional in the red zone, it's really hard to score. Um, a few I, other and- games... That I think we could have won too. Like Wisconsin, yeah. I thought it was a winnable game, but totally flipped on a pick six in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there was wins left on the table this year for sure. And, and I said it last pot, I'll say it again. Everyone talking at the pinstripe board, this isn't fans, this is connections to the program, people within the program I've talked to all said they need a quarterback if they want to get to that eight game, eight game win mark next year, if not more. It, it, it's, it, everyone knows they need, they need help there at the quarterback position. It's the most important position on the field. If you can get an upgrade there, you're looking at an eight-plus win season next year. Easier schedule than what it was, at least. Maybe Washington's still going to be tough because they, they did bring in a good transfer. USC, is on, I think they're on the schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not, it's, it's, I mean, it's not an easy schedule, but you still have a good shot of getting to eight games next year, especially with this defense, which is entirely back for the most part. Yeah. Um, this is a team that is basically like, just a quarterback away from really competing, Being like really good like team. outside shot at college football playoff. And I know um, I said that last no, pod, but I'm starting it is a legitimate a <laughs> possibility. Like we play Howard and Akron at home to start the season. Then we go on the road at Virginia tech, a home game against possibly the defending national champions in the Washington Huskies. Then we go on the road to Nebraska, home, Wisconsin, home, UCLA at USC at the Coliseum, home, Minnesota at Maryland. <laughs> home Illinois, and we finished the season at Michigan State. That is a schedule of almost all winnable games. If you include, like, how many of these teams are going to be in turmoil from, you know, losing all-time players of the program. New Caleb Williams at USC. Right. Michael Penix at Washington. Um, you know, Virginia Tech's going to be a harder game than I think we're giving it credit for. But this is a, a schedule where we could easily win eight, nine games if yeah. things break for us. And you, if you get into that 10-game range and playing this guy, playing in the Big Ten, you win 10 games, you're right. going to be on the, the, the bubble for, for making the college football playoff. So yeah. I'd say 10 games you're probably in. It's 12 teams, so I mean, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you have a good shot. And th- this is why it's so imperative that you take advantage of these opportunities when they present themselves, because this is a team that is ready to go. And if they're playing one-handed, they can't win. They can't get to where their ceiling is. They can't get to where their potential is. But if you have the, at least the opportunity to play with, you know, fight with both hands, you got a chance. I so. mean, if you, if you look at it, there's only four teams in the conference that had 10 wins this year, and three of them are in the top 10. So they're all in the yep. playoffs, technically. Like, yep. 
you have a pretty damn good shot. And if you get 10 wins with this schedule, like I think you're 100% in because you're, you're beating some powerhouses. Notable yeah. powerhouses, I should say. Yeah, and I think a team like USC will have more... It'll be more of a perception game than an actual game. Because yeah. um, who knows? Like, all of these teams, it's like a... You know, a TBD grade on how good they'll be because, you know, Maryland, they're talking about Talia petitioning for another year and Which is maybe transferring. But if he comes right. back, that's a whole different team. Like, Minnesota's got a transfer quarterback. They'll be starting. Um, Michigan State probably will as well. Like, USC, they lost Nelson, who was their, you know, top 10 recruit, and they lost Caleb Williams. They'll probably bring in a transfer guy. They UCLA will probably. One of the quarterbacks, right? Will Hallard. Or is that going to Washington? Oh, that's right. They did bring in Will Howard. So they yeah. got a transfer quarterback. UCLA will probably land one. Wisconsin's already landed uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. Nebraska just landed the number one player in the country in True Dylan Viola. Mm-hmm. Washington will probably land a portal quarterback if they, they haven't landed, already. They landed someone too. Not okay. Will Howard. Who was the other guy? Um, Some, it started with a W. I can't remember. I don't know. Whatever. Not ringing a bell. But yeah, what, what I'm saying is oh, essentially Will Rogers. Will Rogers. Yeah, the guy from uh, Mississippi State. So all these teams, for the most part, will be starting new quarterbacks. And it's not it's not as easy uh, to just kind of pick up and, you know, plug and play as, as we like to say it is sometimes. So we'll have to just kind of like wait till we're a little closer to the season to see how these teams are rounding out. You know, the vibes are always pretty accurate in terms of when you, you know, see the team in spring, like see how they're playing. Like mm-hmm. we had been trying to tell you guys that the offense was a bit of a mess in the spring and the, in the summer. It was ugly. You know, regardless of what, you know, some people were saying the, the, I guess I could say it now. The, the, the only time I saw Gavin in the spring, you know, they were doing like a, Open they're doing some, practice some kind of series. Yeah. Where like they do like live reps at the end of practice and they did eight. Uh, I think it was eight eight offensive drives and he threw two pick sixes and they got a total of three first downs in those series. So like the struggles yeah. have basically been there since the end of last season through the, through the summer. And I think the staff knew like at some point Shit. we're going to have to figure out a way to win without, you know, relying on the quarterback, which is like the, one of the hardest things to do in modern football, because back in the day when you were running these like, you know, wishbone style triple option offenses where you didn't really need anything from the quarterback. It was basically like a, a trick play when you would throw a pass. Mm-hmm. Now everything is about the passing game. And Rutgers found a way to fight claw and punch its way with this old school style offense to get the seven wins. But you saw when you needed the the passing game this year, it just wasn't there. Yeah. I mean it's it's insane. And then like another thing we could probably talk about now is like People were like, oh, yeah, you know, Evan, Evan got a fair shot in spring. They didn't really announce a starter till what, November? Or not November, um, August? It's like, that's not really true. Like, I said it on our boards before, too. Gavin was QB1 all throughout spring. Like, they didn't yep. even give Evan really a shot whatsoever, which is fine. And we'll see how Evan does at Temple, I guess, uh, this year. But uh, yep. it, it was just Gavin all the way. Like, they really just... And this goes back to the fact that they should have recruited a transfer portal quarterback last offseason, but they finally got one. He's going to come in. He knows the offense. He knows Kirk. He knows Kirk really well. It's going to be eighth in show for the rest of this season, in my opinion. I think it's going to be similar to last year where Evan didn't get a shot. I really don't think they're going to give Gavin much. I mean, they'll give him a shot, I guess, technically, but pending him not, unless he comes out guns blazing and starts looking accurate as hell, 
I think it's it's eighth in all the way. But you, you can't let this 2024 season go to waste because this is the schedule really sets up perfectly. Your defense is back. Your entire coaching staff is back for now. Um, yep. They could lose someone, I'm sure, but they just re- they extended everybody basically, except uh, I think Heatherman's contract's coming up. Demir Shaw and I think Arish too. But I, I expect them to kind of retain the entire majority of the staff for the most part, and that's this is that's huge for development too. Um, I just think this 2024 season is going to be really good, and I'm looking now. I'm trying to think of like an over under, and I think the over under might be like six and a half, seven wins, like probably six and a half if I had to guess. Yeah, I'd say six and a half probably sounds right. Um, <clears throat> like this, this is a, sets up perfect. It does. It does. Um, but again, you still got to play the games. Um, you just got to hope nobody gets hurt because these kind of things it. happen in football too. Um, and they're not done in the portal either. So no. I, I do want to close on this. Um, you know, we've we've had. Very few offers go out. I want to say we've had about a dozen, and Chiano has talked about being very methodical with his offers. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talked about that in multiple press conferences. How you know, even if there's guys from the area or guys that there's a connection, if the guy has you know thirty, forty, fifty offers in the portal, they're just probably not gonna even entertain it um, because the the ROI for them is not really there. Like to put even an hour's worth of your staff's time communicating with the kid who's got fifty offers. That is such a precious hour in this transfer portal window because there's yeah. that means that that's an hour you can't be talking to other kids who you might actually have a <laughs> shot with. Um, so unless they like, because JD Dorenzo was different. He had like every he had an offer from basically everybody in the country when he was in the portal. Mm-hmm. And I what I assume is that when they talked to him, they found out oh this kid really wants to come home. If we basically give him a reason, he's going to come here. And they did. So now we're um, starting. Yeah, and. That you can't be more happy for a kid like that. And shout out to Bo Melton as well. He got Huge, his first yeah. career touchdown this year. He had the hundred yards against the, the Vikings. You'd love to see that kind of stuff. But uh, circling too. circling back, yep, he's on the active roster, so he'll be there for the rest of the season if they make the playoffs too. Yep. Um who are some other kids to keep an eye on regarding uh visits for this weekend? Because Chiana specifically said in his bowl conference after the game that there's gonna be visitors starting this weekend. So who who do you know of yeah. right now? So right now, there's technically no names specifically. They were supposed to host Dino Wilson Jr. from New Mexico State. Uh, what's today? Tuesday. It's supposed to be Thursday. And he was supposed to have a one-day visit to Rutgers, a one-day visit to A&M, and then a two-day visit to Syracuse. He said, fuck it, I'm not waiting. Um, AKA the Bagman came, came and said, what's up? And now he's going to yep. Syracuse. Um, but I was told there, there will be a, a defensive line recruit on campus this weekend. Um, no names at the moment. So keep an eye out for that one. Uh, just going based off our list so far, I have updated your your main art or your main post in that uh in that thread. There's there's another New Mexico State guy. There's there's a guy with Big Ten experience that really intrigues me in Rodney McGraw. Uh, he's a former Big uh, Penn State guy, and he went to Louisville last year as a transfer. Had a decent season. He's nothing crazy. He's one to keep a close eye on. Um, there's there's just a there's a bunch of names in that thread. I don't have anyone specific at the moment, but I do know they will be hosting a defensive lineman this this weekend. Tight end, keep a close eye on a couple guys. There's a couple from Ohio. I would keep uh, Will Kakmerick, if I pronounced that correctly, and Tyler Foster. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Rico Walker. He's on our list from Maryland. I don't think he's really a target that much. Um, but they definitely want a tight end, at least one. They definitely want an offensive lineman, at least one, if not two because they're targeting tackles and guards. And I would keep a close eye on Jalen Travis from Princeton. 
Yes. Um, we've mentioned him multiple times already. Andrew Allrich recruited him to Princeton. I think he played for Allrich for a year before he left for Rutgers. Um, and Kirk Scirocco was his only Power 5 offer out of high school, too. So Kirk knows him, too. And he's very close with one of the Rutgers strength and conditioning coaches and Mike Tufo, so, who was also at Princeton at the time. Uh, keep a close eye on him. Uh, other offensive linemen, there's not really anyone notable I'm keeping an eye on yet. Um, they did show some interest in Quantavius Leslie out of Western Kentucky. I don't think he committed anywhere at the moment, but he does have uh, a couple offers. And uh, so, yeah, they want a tight end. They want an offensive lineman and defensive lineman. And then they're starting to look at some cornerbacks too, which, which kind of makes a little bit of sense because you do lose um, Max Melton. And don't get me wrong, Eric Rogers and Robert Longerbeam are probably your two starters, solidified starters at corner next year. But you could probably use a little bit of depth behind those two. Um, of course, everyone loves uh, Bo Mascow, and, they think, and I think he's actually going to be a really good player too. But I, I would try to see if you could find a veteran guy for that third corner instead. Yep. Let Bo Mascow be that fourth guy. He did redshirt technically because he only appeared in one game because NCAA's mess that they had with him. Yep. Uh, so I would try to find some depth there. But <clears throat> they're also looking at other wide receivers. But they real I don't really know if they're going to add one because they did add two technically via the portal and Dimir Miller, who's wide receiver one, um, Dino Calicamanis. Jeez, I can't pronounce that one for some reason. <laughs> Um, but there are some names out there like Isaiah Alston from Army, but I'm told he has some some issues that he has to deal with in terms of how he can transfer from Army and still push back his, uh, I don't even know what it is, deployment, I guess, if you can call it that. Because um, you do need to serve a couple of years when you do attend the Army Academy or Naval Academy. Uh, that's really it, though. I really think it's just going to be tight end, offensive line, and defensive line. And that's for the most part. And maybe sprinkle in an extra guy or two if you have a ship or, or two to give away. So um, we saw that last year. Like I didn't think they were going to go after Charles Monqua. And then two months later, they, they added Charles Monqua. So we'll see what yep. happens later on in the uh, in the process. But there, there's still a whole other period of transfer portal stuff, too, that's coming in May. So you got plenty of time. Yeah, I think one other kid to really take an eye, keep an eye out for is this kid, Zach Greenberg, who's from Muhlenberg. Um, so he's a kid from Livingston. He's got oh, two years of eligibility. Um, he he entered the portal, I want to say, right at the end of the, the FCS season. Um, he's also picked up offers. Uh, he's got a ton of FCS offers. So Muhlenberg, I believe, is a D2 or D3 school. Um, forgive me for not knowing the exact qualification, but it is it is not FCS, but he's gotten dozens of FCS offers. He's got uh, FBS offers so far from UMass, UAB, Georgia State, UConn, Akron, and Western Michigan. And a lot of Rutgers uh, staffers are following him now. So uh, keep an eye, eye out on that one because that's another kid who potentially could be an interior guy. Um, but again, it would be a big jump for a kid from D2 or D3 to you know Power 5, but he's got two years of eligibility left. I mean, that's that's the beauty with two years. You can always just sit out a year and be a starter next year. So, Yeah, exactly. Um, D3, by the way. So that's kind of... D3? Yeah, it's a, that's a big jump. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there have been guys from that conference who have made the jump to the, the NFL. Um, you know, they had that... Uh, the guy Evans on the Saints for years, mm -hmm. who was a guard. Um, that's the only one that's coming to, to mind immediately. But this, I mean, you just got to get them on campus, see what they look like, 
get the, some of their numbers and you know you watch the tape and you got to make the evaluation and that's something that these coaches are paid for and ultimately it's their decision so yeah for sure. is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we head out today uh i don't really want to talk about the mess that's on the hardwood but uh it's it's, it's got to be mentioned i feel like they play ohio state tomorrow i'm not too optimistic um then again, the Big Ten is a mess, and Ohio State lost to yep. Penn State two weeks ago, so I really don't know what to expect from this team anymore. It's, I think everyone's just kind of looking forward to next year at this point, and I, I guess rightfully so after watching Ace Valley drop 40 and 20 in the rack. So, Oh, man. I I cannot wait to see Dylan and Ace on, on the court, and I, I think, honestly, I've we've been hyping Lathan Somerville up, but I think he's just being overshadowed by – the top two guys in the class. He is so, so good. I can't wait yeah. to see him play. A, a, a guy his size to be able to have that kind of game from, you know, beyond 15 feet is just so impressive. Um, so very excited to see him play as well. Yeah. Um, so that, that's really all I got though. But uh, good news for Rutgers. They got a quarterback. They got their quarterback. Um, and now it'll be the talk of the off season. People you know, ramping up their, their, defense of Gavin or their argument for Ethan. Um, it'll be something we all can talk about until yeah. the spring, uh, until some actual eyes get on these guys. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But thank you all once again for listening. We're trying to make 2024 even better than 2023. We appreciate all of you who have either discovered us in the past year, told a friend, liked our videos on YouTube, subscribed to the channel on YouTube, rated and reviewed us on your favorite podcasting app. That's helped us tremendously. We've grown the channel by leaps and bounds. We've grown the podcast by leaps and bounds in 2023, and we want to have it explode even more in 2024. And given that it's shaping up to be a banner year in Rutgers athletics, I think we're in for a big year on the pod as well. Um, But we really want to just shout shout out everyone who's listened and uh, told a friend, rated, reviewed, because we really do appreciate you guys. And none of those goes unnoticed. So thank you very much. Um, For me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Network Podcast. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.